Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and now you can enjoy all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts on the Electric Now channel. Download Zumo, Distro TV, Stir, and the Electric Now app, where you can enjoy great television and movies from Electric Entertainment, as well as all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts like The 430 Movie, Inglorious Trexperts, The Best Movies Never Made, The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast, and coming soon, Two on Who, a Doctor Who podcast. Need to make a call? Look for a police call box. That's where you'll find Two on Who, the new Doctor Who podcast from Electric Surge. Two on Who is available wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like Star Trek, you'll love Inglorious Trexperts, in which our Trexperts, Mark A. Altman and myself, Darren Doctorman, talk Trek every Saturday wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Rebel in the Rogue podcast via Social Distance Edition. Yeah. I am, yeah, Social Distancing. I am your host, Bevan, and to my right, I believe on my screen, is my (laughs) co-pilot, Jason Tobias. Hello, everyone. We are practicing some extreme social distancing. We're talking L.A., Florida, Oregon. It's real here. And then we've got a, a, an amazing addition to the team here. We have Commander Peter Holstrom. He has come on board and he's going to bring not only knowledge of Star Wars, but his passion and just his overall bravado <laughs> to this podcast. We can't thank him enough. Thank you, Peter. Jump thank in. you. Very Hello, Peter. Welcome. Very welcome, Peter. Welcome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real thrill. I'm very excited to get into some Star Wars chat. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Yes. It's, wait, wait, is it Star Wars? <laughs> Nothing but Star Wars. You got to sing it. It's the Bill Murray jingle. Yes. You have to. It's the official Star Wars jingle. That it is. It is. <laughs> but today, the episode brought to us by Peter. Peter, do you want to kick mm-hmm. it off? What's the title of this episode? What are we talking today? We are talking. What are we talking? Top Luke Skywalker moments. Ooh. Yeah. Those are good. Ooh. Those are good. Ooh. Great. It's going to be great. But what kind of Luke Skywalker moments? All the Luke Skywalker moments? Mm-hmm. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Use the Force, Luke. Right now, I feel like I can take on the whole Empire myself. I know what you mean. Together again, huh? Wouldn't miss it. How are we doing? Same as always. That bad, huh? You know, I think for me, Luke Skywalker had such a big impact on my own life as looking at the hero's journey and living with this character from basically age three on to now and really disseminating what those moments were that stuck out to us. 
as fans that go beyond just the, the basically four movies that he was in and going into mm-hmm. the comics, going into the books, because that is what Star Wars is for us. It's not just what we see up there on the big screen. It's those things we live with for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, well said, man. I mean, Luke Skywalker, um, we've touched on this in podcasts before. When you think about heroes, heroines in the sci-fi fandom, you've got some that really kind of transcend and they really go even bigger and broader than just either the title or the IP. And, you know, you've got, you've got Ripley, you've got Neo, you've got Luke Skywalker, you've got, when you say the name, it immediately associates itself almost separately, but yet it's so connected to where Luke Skywalker is, is an entity within Star Wars. You know, his journey, his, his, his complete, I, I would call it a complete journey personally, um, from A New Hope all the way to The Last Jedi. And even, you know, a little bit in uh, Rise of Skywalker. I mean, we see him as a force ghost. The, yeah, it's a smidge. <laughs> um, you're, you're given something that, uh, whether it was Flash Gordon, whether it was, um, you know, these the, a lot of uh, Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, like a lot of that inspiration that came that really spawned what Star Wars was, Luke Skywalker then became this beacon of like the hero in this mega sci-fi epic, the, the first, if you will, galaxy cinematic universe. Um, so that's what Luke Skywalker always meant to me. And I mean, just his echoing and kind of piggybacking on you, Peter, like his journey was something that I don't care who you are. I don't care if, uh, if you don't like sci-fi, if, if, uh, if, if you don't like certain types of characters or heroes, uh, the call to action, the call to arms, I think is the thing for me about Skywalker that really stood out. And even as a, as a writer, I look at that with characters that you're also building from this point moving forward is like, what is their purpose? What do they want? And, Skywalker, if anything, uh, one of my favorite moments is when he's talking to Ben. So we'll give it back to Victoria and she can tell us what it means to her. What, Luke Skywalker? Luke, you heard of him. <laughs> Luke. Um, you know, I, I, Luke is not my favorite character in Star Wars, but I do understand the purpose of Luke. And I, you know, it's always something, it's always nice to like, for instance, I was one of the fans that was not happy to see Luke get killed. I mean, I knew he was going to come. Spoiler alert for all those that have not seen the <laughs> yeah. new trilogy. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. So, but you know, um, it's no. There's no doubt about that. Um, that he is somebody that has left an impact on everybody and and on sci-fi. And he is kind of the Jesus ish character even though you know vader might be more now i mean yes is what you're <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's great, Darth vader it's great. is it's jesus great. is what you're saying it's <laughs> yeah. yeah he's yeah, the yeah. chosen one he's the chosen one that's right yes even mcgregor screamed that at me as john that was a chosen one yeah i loved you Anakin. <laughs> uh but we're not talking about darth vader uh not today not yet. um but not yet. Just wait for that episode, ladies and gentlemen. Bevan will just let it out. Um, but, you know, I mean, to go off of the lasting impact, one of my favorite moments of Mark Hamill being Luke Skywalker for a fan was when he surprised Adam Scott on Jimmy Kimmel's show. And Jimmy Kimmel had, uh, sorry, it was Adam Scott that was like, you know, I was so into Luke as a kid. I invited him to my birthday party. 
and I was so like I was so disappointed he didn't show up, but I've always wanted to meet him. And he lost his mind when Mark Hamill came out with his yeah. lightsaber, and he was like, "Oh my god!" So yeah. you know, it's it's one of my favorite like Luke Skywalker fan moments of like Mark Hamill doing something yeah. for for a fan that is a celebrity that is like still starstruck. That's like how important his lasting impact is. Well, and I think, Heck yeah. I think too that the amount of character growth just to add to what you said Jason the amount of character growth that Luke Skywalker goes through it's so atypical to what we're used to with with movies and sequels it's like you look at what George Lucas was doing with Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and the the sheer amount of act just acting gravitas that Mark Hamill brings to it I mean it's I would say it's the most underrated perform acting performance of of cinema history honestly like it, it's an incredible amount of character growth that the guy goes through he's basically a different character in each and every single movie now traditional wisdom would say like that. if you're going to do a sequel to star wars then you know he should have the same wardrobe he should have the same haircut he should have basically the same mannerisms but just a little different and yet you see him in empire strikes back and he's a drastically different character and then return of the jedi even more so and then the last jedi again he is very different character than what we remember him as and mark hamill yeah, though, sure. is nevertheless still luke skywalker is our center for the whole saga even if you're more of a han solo fan or boba fett fan or whatever luke skywalker <laughs> luke skywalker is our way in and he is yeah. the character that we are with from beginning to end. And, you know, he doesn't ever get a girl. And it's so sad. And I know, he gets his, oh, he gets his oh, sister to start off with. Oh, man, that's a bummer. Wait a minute. A bummer. Wait a minute. If we're going to go past the movies, he does get a girl, guys. True. Mara Jade. Yes. I mean, we've got Mara. Yes. And, yeah. And she yeah. was great. But in yeah. canon... The guy never exactly, and it's so exactly, it's so sad. Sure, and and, and canon, no, but <laughs> but gentlemen, do we want to start counting down our top three Luke yes. Skywalker moments? Yeah, 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 yeah. A new go. opportunity. Uh, somebody, a gentleman, can go first. Peter, you you ring it in first, man. You you uh, this is your topic. Um, well, since we are not talking about uh, canon at this moment, my number three pick, I guess we're gonna say. Um, sure. would be a moment from uh, the Dark Empire comic book series uh, written by Tom Beach, which apparently isn't too easy to find anymore. Marvel hasn't, I don't think Marvel's reprinted it, um, but if you can mm -hmm. find it, really seek it out and give it a read. It's, it's brilliant. This was the first uh, comic book in Dark Horse Comics run of Star Wars, so it really ushered in a new era. And it was the first time that the Emperor came back. Uh, as opposed to the second time in the Rise of Skywalker, but um, and then the and then the fifth time, or however many times he's been eighty-eight and coming back in Rise of Skywalker, That's right? Eighty-eight. But here you had the first time, and my favorite moment would be the moment where Luke Skywalker actually does turn to the dark side, mm -hmm. and it is a brilliant moment. He doesn't do it out of like love of someone else or trying to protect someone else or whatever. He does it because he's actually interested to see why Darth why his father turned to the dark side and it's the beginning of this very dark fantasy Star Wars tale that is is much more akin to like a horror movie or some like uh, German expressionist film that we've ever seen in Star Wars before and it's a fascinating look uh, I have somewhere not up here but I have a poster of dark of one of the Dark Empire covers which is just amazing and it's a great character moment great character journey and I love it Nice. Nice. I dig it, nice. man. Nice. 
Um, I guess I'll go mm-hmm. next. I'll go yeah. uh, hang on, with hang my on. number. I want to. I want to. Oh, oh, like, there's dude. more here. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I was just curious if you guys had read the Dark Empire comics and what do you guys think of that? I have. I have. I uh, personally, um, I'll jump right in. I really enjoyed the artwork in that series. It was really, really cool. Um, I liked, obviously, the idea of the Emperor coming back as a clone. Uh, I did like Luke falling to the dark side and I like Leia coming in to basically kind of be that beacon of light because this was actually something that uh, Bevan and I had spoken about on you know previous podcasts where I would have loved to have seen a version where Leia becomes a Jedi and we see her kind of in more of a full-fledged yeah. Jedi mode, not just mm-hmm. the sprinklings that we get in Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker where you know it's you know Leia Poppins and she kind of floats back in and you know or it's like minimal you know training montages. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. Uh, you know, then, then if you even look at like the Air of the Empire stuff that Timothy Zahn did, um, just like a lot of that like external, you know, beyond the screen stuff that was all now non-canon, it's legend. Um, mm-hmm. It's it just, it's it's fun. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the Dark Empire stuff. And then there was a Dark Empire 2, right, Peter? Was it, wasn't there a sequel to the Dark there Empire? There was. So, you know, when you're looking at Dark Empire, it's it kind of is a catch-all term. There is a Dark Empire 2, and then there was a kind of concluding not really a graphic novel, but enough to be like a trade paperback form called empires. End. so it created this kind of mm-hmm. trilogy. Um, and it involves, uh, you know, the emperor comes back and he, he's trying to get a hold of, uh, Leia's children to become new, uh, new hosts for his, his spirit body, so to speak. And in much the same way as in rise of Skywalker. Um, and, uh, with the empire's end, he's making his last play for Leia's newborn child. And it turns into this very odd and esoteric kind of battle. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> Strong <laughs> record. Cool. Strong um, I actually have not read the comics, but I did read the Darth Vader comic. Cause you know, that's one of my second favorite characters, but uh, Luke is in there. But I, what I enjoyed about those comics is that Luke is finally the one that people are kind of talking about. So you feel the legend of Luke of like this special kid that Vader doesn't understand or know. And these Vader's, uh, this, these comics take place in between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And Vader is trying to, you see his obsession start to grow because he's not understanding why this kid would beat him of all people. And he's trying to hunt down who this kid is, what what his name is, what he what he does, what he what all that stuff. And you see him kind of spiral down into this madness of or obsession to where it kind of justifies why in Empire Strikes Back, Vader is where he's at. He's already like he just is so obsessed with finding this kid that is Luke that he doesn't understand yet that is that's his offspring in a sense. So that's, those are really good comics too. If you've not read those, the Vader comics. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Jason. I will go with my number three. My number three is actually off the Alan Dean Foster splinter of the mind's eye, uh, a great, great novel that was actually put in place that in the event, if star Wars was not as big of a hit as it turned out to be, this was going to be the sequel to star Wars. You know, it was kind of as this like on deck kind of idea. And in the book, what always, time is something that's always difficult to try to convey to an audience, I feel, as a writer. So mm-hmm. you, know, you have to try to give the audience enough time to really kind of suspend disbelief, right? You have to say that, okay, whether it's training, whether it's just a passage of something, you have to think, well, we're told that 10,000 hours makes somebody an expert of something. But 
if there's never that 10,000 hours that passes, how do we see that they get infinitely or infinitesimally better than what they are? So what was interesting about A New Hope and Empire was that Luke clearly gets a lot stronger. I mean, he has this small training sequence with Yoda and Dagobah and whatnot, but we didn't really see, okay, he, he kind of had this connection to the Force when he's on Hoth and, you know, Ben's ghost shows up and he's able to reach out with the Force and grab the saber, but it still felt like there was like a lot of time that we were missing or at least something that was giving us an indicator of he got stronger somehow. Was he just growing? Was it a muscle that he was exercising more? And in the novel that Alan Dean Foster writes, Leia and Luke are on this jungle planet and they're looking for this kyber crystal, this large crystal. And it actually has the ability to enhance the force. It has the ability to make it like a lot stronger. And in that novel, when, you know, Leia and Luke come into contact with it, Vader is also hunting them at this point. You know, he's basically mm -hmm. hunting them down. When Luke gets this crystal, I can then kind of buy into, if I, in my mind, kind of play out Splinter of the Mind's Eye is kind of like this 1.3 or this 1.5 between one and two of saying A New Hope is one and Empire is two. I can think, okay, well, this could be a reason why his abilities jump pretty exponentially into even Empire because he goes from being a kid in the holding area of the Millennium Falcon, barely able to pull a blast shield down while... Uh, a little remote droid is shooting at him to going toe to toe with Darth Vader in the Empire Strikes Back. I mean, that's that's a big leap. That'd be like playing Little League right. one week, and then uh, next month you're like taking uh, 95 mile an hour fastballs. <laughs> Excuse the sports analogy, but it's a it's a big leap. I really enjoyed that moment. I thought it was cool. It gave me as a fan of not only Luke, uh, but just of kind of like the mysticism of the Force and how he was so strong with it. I could get behind that and say, you know what? A little bit of magic here. I can get behind this kind of like oomph. He gets like a little bit of a boost here. So I really enjoyed that moment. He gets a little boost. Yeah. He was in a booster He's in a booster seat for this one. He's in a booster. It's a little I'm still waiting, Jason, for my what is the force and what are the rules of it? Because I feel like every screenwriter just changes their mind on it. Like, oh no. I don't know if you're ever gonna get it. I I think yeah, I think it's just always gonna stay kind of loosely ambiguous. I think it's gonna kind of Lucas. Or whatever is convenient for the writers. Besides, <laughs> ah, the Force yeah. does this now. The Force, yes, it's the Force. I think George could have told you, but uh, he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's he not allowed anymore. Away. He's not allowed. He gave the keys away. <laughs> he's not allowed. Disney's like, sit down. No, no, no. We're gonna, we're gonna just make it up. It's fine. It's fine. Sit down. Uh, stay in your ranch. Uh, so my number three actually comes out of like. There wasn't much I enjoyed about this new trilogy, to be honest. Um, but for nostalgic purposes, my number three was when Luke and Yoda were reunited. Skywalker, still looking to the horizon. Never here, now. Hmm? The need in front of your nose. Hmm? I was weak. Unwise. Lost Ben Solo, you did. Lose Ray, we must not. I can't be what she needs me to be. Heeded my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, hmm. But weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. That entire scene just made me smile 
from a pure nostalgia standpoint, one, because I love Frank Oz and I love the character of Yoda. And it was so nice to see an actual puppet there. It was so nice to hear Frank Oz's voice. And it was so nice to see Mark Hamill as Luke, you know, running into Yoda again and like still being able after all this time be taught something by Yoda and to see his like little glow and glee and see like Luke and himself like I felt like there wasn't much of Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi that I loved about the original trilogy but in that scene I felt like I got the Luke that I was wanting to see just in that scene yeah at all and I thought that was really great and I was like, all right, I'll give you this one scene, guys. I'll give you this one scene. This one scene is Luke Skywalker. Everything else, I don't know what it is that I'm looking at, but. Yeah, yeah it, 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 was, it was great. It was, um, I mean, it loosely, I mean, Luke essentially does not have the quote unquote father figure around him throughout the entire story. He has people popping into his life, giving him guidance that, that mm -hmm. act and play as his father. You know, you have the, the, the Owen Lars, you have the, the Ben Kenobi, you have the Yoda. I mean, Hey man, Yoda, maybe a tiny Jedi master, but Hey, he, he played, he played a great mentor to Luke, but this was yeah. kind of like him coming back to his dad or at least yeah. a mentor, or at least a, a father figure of sorts, if you will. And just him, you know, kind of saying, Hey, you know, I think I'm doing the right thing. I think, you know, he went off, he, he was crass, brash, young, and he did like the teenage thing and ran away and tried to do something that was just considered to be <laughs> unbelievable and right. he gets his butt kicked and he comes back. So it was, it was a nice moment. It's, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe this is just a male perspective on it, but it's, it's, it's like, as a man, you, you tell your dad, you're going to go do something. And then uh -huh. you, your dad's looking at you like, okay, all right. Okay, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I've been down this road. I've lived a couple more years than you, so you can go give it a shot if you want. Right. And then you go out, get your ass kicked a little bit, and then you come back with some, you, know, you lick your wounds, you get some new scars, and then he just goes, you, you good? You okay? And then it's like that, I don't know, that, that, that reconciliation of like, you were right. Um, I don't know, that it was, it was a sweet moment though. You know, and I, I completely agree, it's a great moment. I actually have a different perspective on it though, which is that, that moment is really Luke's final lesson that he has to have that Yoda in sure. that moment is teaching him like everything that you are holding dear, everything that you're holding on to, you know, cause Luke is essentially like being a cap on a soda bottle, so to speak for the whole Jedi way at this moment, he's keeping the Jedi teachings under lock and key on this Island because he thinks that for Jedi and to be out there and for force users in general to be out there in the galaxy does nothing but, bad things right so he's kind of keeping everything locked down tight here and yoda comes back in to say no you are wrong here you shouldn't be just hiding away who you are and what you are on this little planet and everything that you're holding dear about the jedi order from the past well we were fucking wrong too and then he just lights everything on fire right there which is a badass yeah. move i can't believe people don't love that moment a whole lot more but um yeah. but it's in that moment that Yoda's saying, you need to let go of the past and let go of the pain that you have felt in the past and really be focused on where you are now. And that's really a turning point for Luke, which is when he goes back and rejoins the fight. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, but it's, yeah it's, a, it's a very good point. I mean, but then it just leads to a bunch of like 
questions, which we're not going to get into it, but like, I would have just loved to have experienced more of Luke's pain to make that moment even more golden, which is why it's like my number three. But I think, you know, it's there on my number three because I enjoyed the dynamic of seeing Luke needing to learn something from Yoda in this new trilogy. And I was looking for some sort of connection that way to, that reminded me of the Luke that I grew up with. And it was nice that Luke was there and Yoda came there and he like knocked him down and be like, um, actually you're wrong and I'm right. And that's okay. Boom. <laughs> I kicked him on the head. Yeah. It's still like fine. You know, it was a great moment. I liked it. Frank Oz. Agreed. Agreed. Next. Peter. Um, you know, in, Peter. my moment is a bit more of an obscure one that people don't think this is number two for you, right? This is number this two. Is your number two, Peter. Okay. Uh, it's a bit more of an obscure one, but it's a moment that I just, adore so much because i think it's it comes from a moment in in a new hope where luke is uh chilling with the droids for the first time and 3po is taking his oil bath and you see luke just in his home and he's playing around with his t-16 skyhopper and that's it (laughs) and i love that moment so much because especially in the 70s there was such there was this wave of films that came out where you would have heroes that were that were purposefully very different than we were as people at the time mm-hmm. like you'd have you'd either be a super spy or you'd be some like gritty you know cia agent who hates the world and drinks heavily or whatever and like for kids there just wasn't a lot of people to really relate to and so to see that moment where luke is just being a kid you know he's playing with his toys mm-hmm. he's chilling out you know he's bitching about the world but it's it's a such a beautiful moment of relatability that really helps to connect to you with this character and and that's the real moment that and maybe I'll tie in here you know uncle o- his conversation with uncle owen where you know luke is like i want to go join the academy and owen says no you know i need you here on the farm um that those two moments just set up this character so well and say these this is someone i want to go on a journey with that i can relate to cuz i grew up in a small town i've been there you know parents tell you not to do things that you want to do right and that was so refreshing at the time. And I think it really set up this whole character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great moment. Like, him, I can picture him again, kind of holding that model, yeah. you know, he's kind of leaning back there and like three POs coming up out of the oil and everything. And you're, there's something about it. I don't know uh, what it is about with toys. I mean, I'm a collector. I, I love the black series. I think it's a fantastic series of the star Wars toy line. And I don't know what it is about having something that resembles either something that you aspire to be or something that you, you would like to be a part of, or maybe uh, whatever it could be, you know, I mean, whether you collect dolls, you collect snow globes, miniatures, uh, stamps, whatever. There's something about like playing with something like having something uh, like this T-16 skyhopper that he flew into bullseye womp rats. in. I mean, this was a, a ship that he flew, but he still had it. It was like his version of like a little matchbox car. I don't know. It, yeah. That's, that was my translation of it. It was like, he's, while I'm pushing around a matchbox car, Luke Skywalker's pushing around his T16 Skyhopper. Like that was exactly. that was my that was my way I put it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's I think it's great. I think, you know, that moment was put there for a reason by George to really show a reflection for kids to look up on the screen and say, like, oh, that's me. Except I'm playing with like a spaceship because in the 70s everyone was obsessed with you know, space adventures and all that stuff. And I think that was just, uh, that was George being like, all right, I'm going to find a relatable moment for boys 
to just really grab hold to this hero because this is their hero that they that they are going to that they I want them to aspire to be and you know I need you know he's going to get the sword and he's going to get to fly the ship and he has ambitions like his dad like there's that whole family dad complex and that's just that moment is like a a hint into Luke's wants and desires. If it was a musical, he would have burst out into a song about like how he wants to be where the people are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it should have been a musical. <laughs> Can you picture Star Wars the musical? I, I want to. Uh, picture yeah, there is Star Wars the musical, unfortunately. Yeah, isn't it like a rock opera though? Isn't it kind of like a I think it, I think it's a rock, yeah, but it's they're calling it Star Wars the musical or something like that. It's okay. closed. Because there is no Broadway right now, guys. That's uh, so. true. I know. We are dealing with COVID. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Jason, number two uh, for you. Oh, my number two. My number two. Um, this is actually coming from a deleted scene from, from The Return of the Jedi. Okay. And uh, they, they have this footage. And, um, you know, I, for whatever reason, I don't know if George ever came out and said why he didn't want to put it in there. I don't know. Uh, but if you guys remember, please uh, enlighten me, if you will. But it is in Obi-Wan's hut on Tatooine when Luke is constructing his new saber, getting ready to go into episode six. And he's working on it. And you see this, you know, cloaked figure uh, kind of in the shadows. And again, to this point, I'm only going from the films, four, five, and six. We really had not seen Luke in this light yet. I think it would have been a really interesting reveal had that been a scene that we had picked up with in Jedi somewhere. Um, you know, in you know, uh, New Hope, he's this, he's wearing white and he's wearing light tan and earth tones. And like, you know, uh, you, you, he's got this bright eyed, bushy tailed, you know, he's taking the world by the horns and he doesn't care what's out there. Uh, he starts to get into a little bit more of like a militaristic fatigue and empire. And like, you're seeing him kind of like take that call to action. And now by Jedi, I mean, he's wearing robes, he's wearing black, he's wearing things where you're just like, wow, what has he become now? Like, what is he turning into? And in that scene, when he's constructing that saber, there's no dialogue, you know, it's all MOS. And it's so cool that when he's finally done working on it and you see a couple of cutaways to R2 and, you know, R2 is almost kind of watching this, this, this metamorphosis, kind of like this, 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 this person is now growing right in front of his own little electronic sensor. I would say eyes, but he doesn't have eyes. And, um, I just really enjoyed when he he ignites that saber inside the hut and it's green. And then obviously we know why it was green due to the fact that George didn't want to have blue on Jabba's skiff for like the background with the sky being blue and he didn't want to lose the blade, but just that green igniting inside of the hut. Um, it was just, I don't know. It, it was strangely kind of um, metaphysical. It reminded me of like a samurai working on like folding steel for, you know, months on end. And like they were finally baptizing the blade in water or, even sword makers, you know, and again, we know that George pulls a lot of that lore and a lot of that mythos from that world. But that to me was a very, very cool moment that I, I would have loved to have seen in the movie. <laughs> Luke, Luke, join me on the dark side of the force. My son, it is the only way.
Wow. You know, that's so funny, Jason, because my second moment is very similar to what you just described, but I want uh, Peter to comment on what Jason just said. <laughs> I, uh, thank you. Um, I, you are. I, you can just tell I'm just like biting at the bit here to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love that moment so much. And it's uh, it made it a far way along the editing process. Like back then you would edit... Um, before, you know, John Williams only does score for music when the film is completely edited. That's the way he works. And this scene has a score to it. Like it has music playing in the background. So you know it was in the cut for a very long time. Um, but that moment is amazing. And it was legendary for so long. We, we had heard about it existing. Mm -hmm. It's in the radio dramatization. It's in the comic book, but we had never actually seen it on screen until I think celebration six or something. And it was uh, part of the Blu-ray set that came out in 2011. Yep. And it's a beautiful moment. And it's, uh, it, it, it completely uh, morphs your interpretation of this character too, because in that moment you see Vader um, having a telepathic communication with Luke from like, distances of you know light years away the scene opens and it's actually with vader and he's he's reaching out to luke through the force and then it cuts away yeah. to luke in, in in the cabin working so luke you could you could frame it in the same way that kylo ren is is having that communion with ray in episode eight which is that vader is somehow like infecting luke to a degree with the dark side just through this telepathic communication which you totally miss completely if that scene isn't there and maybe that is part of the reason why george decided to remove it is that he didn't want to set up a notion that luke was becoming a bad guy or anything like that but it's a it's a it's a glorious moment i completely agree with you it's it's great question for you peter is is that supposed to just be a cavern that he's working in that's not ben's hut I think, no, I think you're right. It is Ben's hut. I, uh, okay. I just want to make sure I, I wasn't saying it. Cause I, I, I was always under the impression that he went to Ben's hut and that's where he started to, he found the lightsaber plans to rebuild and cause he lost obviously his previous saber, but, um, yeah, dude, just, it's just cool. Chills. Just the chills. Yes. Moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have a feeling that the reason why they might've cut it out and this is just an argument I'm going to throw out there is because of my number two moment which is when we first see Luke in Return of the Jedi. Because if you think about it, that entrance is so iconic to me because that's, that's the reveal of basically Luke is a different person now. You, you got to think about it from a storyline perspective. Jabba the Hutt and everyone's kind of, what, Luke sends like first in the droids, then it's Leia, and then Luke arrives. But you hear them talking about Luke leading up to it and how powerful Luke has become, how intimidating Luke is. And then you cut to that scene where the doors open, Luke is in a cloak, just like Ben, and you know, the the henchmen show up and he immediately just starts to choke him, just like his father. So you see without mm -hmm. any dialogue of like Luke has become so powerful he could just very calmly and you know, again, we're used to seeing up until, you know, a new hope and Empire Strikes Back, Luke has been very emotion an emotional character. And you just see him so powerful and grounded and who he's become and just this one scene because his face is completely different. He, he's just doing little subtle movements and then he walks into uh, Jabba's like chamber mm -hmm. and he just kind of, and he's just, and the way Mark Hamill plays Luke in that moment of just like, I am powerful. You're not fucking with me. Is, is beautiful. I think it's a great moment. And it's actually when I started to really enjoy Luke because I was like, oh, 
finally he's a fucking badass without doing much of anything. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. And like kind of going back to what Peter said initially, just to roll with what you're saying, Bevan, he owns it at that point. He's confident. Yeah. He owns it. Mm-hmm. He does. He doesn't need to like pound his chest. He doesn't need to, you know, move a bunch of stuff in the room. He doesn't need to pop the saber out. No, it's just, he's there and he knows he's like, Hey, you know, you will also the first solo to me. <laughs> right, right. And he's doing the Jedi mind trick. I mean, yeah. he's, he's basically calling back to all of what his mentors have done yes. in the past. Like Ben did the Jedi mind trick. His father did the choking. And, you know, that whole masters of like just rocking that cape. That's the first time we see him in all black. And I think if we had kept your scene in of him creating uh the lightsaber and working on it you would miss that impactful moment on screen of like oh shit this is a different human being right now yeah Mm, yeah that's a good point and i completely agree too that moment is is amazing like it's such a powerful character introduction that uh yeah you know seeing the transformation from luke from you know my number two pick, which was just like, hey, he's just a kid and he's playing around with some toys to that, which is, you know, just four years later in, in Star Wars mm-hmm. timeline. And for the actor of Mark Hamill, uh, just about five years, right? It's just, it's such a powerful demonstration of his own acting ability. And um, you just, you buy it. You buy it. He's staring at you the biggest it. crime lord in the galaxy. You know, later on, he's going to be able to stare down the greatest uh, military figure in the galaxy. And it's completely believable. I absolutely love that moment. It's great. Yeah. It's a great moment. Good one. I like- Good one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. But here comes the number one, which I've been, I, I, I have to admit, guys, I've been dying to see if you guys are picking the number one one. <laughs> so like everybody's going to have the same one. <laughs> I don't think, I actually don't think you guys are going to pick my number one, but uh, which is good. I have a feeling. I have a feeling, this is why I asked in the beginning if this is like the one that we personally like or just the overall general, this is the best uh, Luke Skywalker moment. Because I think this might be a little uh, different. Might be a little controversial. Okay. <laughs> um, might be a little controversial. Go, Peter, go. I can, I can say this will be probably, I'm going to say 90% certain this will be different than your guys' pick. And uh, my number okay, one great. pick um, is coming also from Return of the Jedi. And it follows really what you were just talking about with your number two pick. And that is the final moment in, uh, not the final moment, but the final moment in the uh, Luke and Darth Vader battle on the Death Star, where Luke just owns Vader. He takes him out. He slices off Vader's hand. He you know, slices that railing on the Death Star. And Vader goes down and he is just losing it. And Luke stares down and is about ready to kill him, like right then and there. And he looks down at his uh, robotic gloved hand, and he recognizes Mm -hmm. in that moment, it's this pure moment of just absolute self-reflection. It's like a mirror is put up into into his face, and he recognizes that in that moment, he has become what he always sought to never be, which is that he has become Darth Vader. He is about to commit cold-blooded murder, which he never wanted to do. And it's this, it's this amazing and subtle character arc that I don't think it's appreciated enough about Return of the Jedi is that at the beginning of the movie, Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi say, you need to assassinate this guy. Like, you need to kill Vader and the Emperor because there's no way that good could prevail over evil anymore. 
Like you just have to do this. If you don't do this, then good is going to lose and you are going to die, right? And so then he goes onto the Death Star. He's trying to figure out a way not to do this. But then even the Emperor is there saying, hey, kill Vader and then we'll, we'll team up together and it'll be great and you can do all the good stuff you wanted to do. But he's trying to resist that. And then in, that, in the lightsaber duel, he almost gives in. He almost does that thing, which, which you know, isn't the Jedi way. You know, Yoda in, in Empire Strikes Back is saying, a Jedi only uses the Force for defense, never for attack. And yet here he's about ready to kill Vader, right? And instead, what does he do? He pulls away. He says, I'm, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And he chooses compassion. He chooses love over doing a wicked thing of murder, which is, you know, coming from a place of hate. failed your highness i am a jedi like my father before me and so that level of 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 compassion and love that luke gives there is what makes him so different than all of the jedi that came before and this is the real at the, the, the theme and the treatise that, that George Lucas is trying to hit is that morality isn't necessarily a good, good versus evil dynamic. It's not some Zoroastrian view on reality. It's instead that if, you're, if, you, if your intentions come from a place of compassion, then that is the, the middle ground between good and evil. And it's a beautiful moment. It's, it's, he is defying both his mentors in that moment. He's also defying the evil ones in that moment, but he is leading down to a new path. And that is why it's so beautiful to see what Luke then goes on to do, whether it's the expanded universe or in the, uh, in the actual canon, which is going at it more from a place of something different, something that you haven't seen before. So that is my pick. It's a moment that you see done. I'm just going to keep rambling for a while, clearly. but uh, It's a moment that you see it. done. You know, it's a moment that's that is is classical in so many ways. You see it done in the Searchers. You see it done in the Godfather. You know, it's this moment where a character is forced to look at themselves in the mirror, and they don't like what they see, right? And I just love that moment so much. Um, you see it, you know, and it, it's great. It's great. Number one pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, that when he flexes that glove when he just kind of looks down and like even like the subtle sound design that's going on there, like the gizmos and the gyros kind of whirring just a little bit and he looks and then you cut away to that insert of like Vader's hand with the sparks coming off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It, uh, it's, it's almost kind of like manifest destiny in a way, yes. you know, you, you, this is the road. This is the path that is essentially set before him. If he continues down this road, this, I mean, he's looking in a mirror, you know, of like what it'll be to some degree. Yeah. He's almost at a crossroads at that point of like, all right, you know exactly what Jason said. It's like I could keep going, or I could just stop right now. Yeah, 
And this was, and I think almost sometimes I think he thinks that this was the actual test. I don't actually believe, and this is just a theory of mine, that Ben or Yoda wanted Luke to kill Darth Vader. I think that was them testing him mm. to see if he would mm. go to the dark side because going to the dark side is killing mm. and stuff like that. And I think um, by Luke choosing love basically over war, he wins and he does get to become a Jedi now. And I, th I think that was almost him realizing, oh, this is my actual test, whether or not I'm going to kill my own father. And the answer is no, I'm not going to kill my father. I win. Don't kill the dad. Don't kill the dad. Don't kill the dad. Don't kill your dad. Jason? Uh, oh, man, my number one. Um, let's see. Let us see. I bounced around a little bit. My number one, I think, the moment that sticks out for me the most comes from my favorite Star Wars film, and that's Empire. And it's when he's going into the carbon freezing chamber. Mm. And as soon as he gets into that carbon freezing chamber, like there's a lot of elements that are hitting me at that point. Like, you know, obviously the stakes are ramping up, you know, we're well, well into the third act at that point, you know, mm -hmm. things are really starting to intensify and coupled with the production design and the music and the performance and where we're going. Luke has this moment where he's got his blaster out when he's working his way through Bespin, you know, cloud city, you know, he's got that blaster out. And I mean, that's not, that's not the weapon of a Jedi. That I don't use blasters. I mean, again, you know, Obi-Wan said it before, how uncivilized, you know, he gets into this chamber and this again kind of goes back to the, you know, the kid, the, the snot-nosed punk kid now maybe getting in a little over his head. Maybe he's getting mm -hmm. in, biting off a little bit more than he can chew. But right. what does he have? What does he have that is extremely dangerous? Youth and confidence. Those are two things that sometimes all you bring into a battle is all you need. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to win, but those are two things that might push one side one way or the other. And he's got that youth and that confidence that when he steps into that carbon chamber and he puts that blaster away, you know, and he starts to walk up those steps to face Vader. And you hear Vader, you know, the, the ominous breathing. And I mean, this is really a major test. And this is a major mm -hmm. shift right here. Like this... This, this could have been it for him. This could have been it for him. He could have died in this moment. He could have backed away from this. He could have stepped away and just gone off and tried to help, you know, um, uh, Chewie and, and, and Han, uh, frozen in carbonite, like off. Go, go, go help him. Don't go and face Vader. Don't do that. You need to help this person. This is the, the, su the suffering you saw on Dagobah. These were the people that you wanted to help. So why are mm -hmm. you over here facing this guy down? This is kind of like in a video game. This is a side quest, but it's a major side quest. It's like in Final Fantasy VII, you're going to fight Ruby or Emerald, where you don't really have to beat them to beat the game, but that's a really cool thing if you did. It's a right. really cool thing if you did. Now, story-wise, Vader is obviously Luke's major hurdle to get over in the story. But I just love an Empire when he's going in there, and he's got that choice. And I really like choices for characters. I think choices are powerful. I think those are the things that as an audience member, when you're watching, you've got people saying, oh, no, don't do that. Or, oh, why would you do that? Well, characters making choices is what makes the journey so enjoyable. Because if everything was just so cut and dry, like, ah, oh, it's too dangerous. Don't go that way. Mm -hmm. Turns around and goes the other way. Well, I mean, does he ever face Vader? Does Vader just kind of like sick his battalion on him of TIE fighters as the Millennium Falcon's blowing away going off after Slave 1? No, instead he just says, you know what? I think I learned enough. I, lift, I lifted a couple rocks, you know? I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, Yoda and, I, Yoda and I talked for a few days. I, feel, I got this whole force thing down. I got this. 
And when he gets in there, he gets his ass handed to him. I, but I, yeah. to me, that is that first moment, that baptism by fire of, kid, you're stepping into something that you have no idea what you're up against. I mean, you've got, you've got spunk, you've got courage, you've got bravery, but you're going to get knocked down. And then the excitement is watching him get back up. But that to me is, uh, that, that's, I think that's my favorite you know, Luke Skywalker moment there. It's a nice moment. I've learned so much about you just now, just by this moment. <laughs> I, li- I like that. I like, I like seeing, well, this is going to sound bad, but I like seeing people build themselves back up. I like underdogs come back. Right. You know, I mm-hmm. like that feeling because I think we can all relate to that on some level. Everybody's been beat down at some point. Everybody's taken a loss. Everybody's wanted something and not gotten it. Everybody's had aspirations, dreams, hopes, etc. And then you've not gotten there and then you've had to find another way to do it or you've had a setback. But something that my dad says that I always kind of run with is a setback is just a setup for a comeback. So like, Ooh. How's that? That's a great quote. That's free. You guys can have that one. That one's Oh, free. thank you. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Tobias. We'll just use that. You know, it's funny, Peter. Uh, the reason why I asked ahead of time about like, oh, are we doing like our personal favorite Luke Skywalker moments or like the moments where I think define a character? Because if it was defining a character and just from a storyline perspective, um, I absolutely would have picked number your number one in a heartbeat because I think the moment that Luke Skywalker throws down his saber and says, never, I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed. I am a Jedi like my father before me. And that moment of like him in the conflict of seeing that he's about to kill his father and he's about to take his place. That's a huge, I feel like that is the number one moment from a storyline perspective and a character perspective. Uh, But since we're going off of personal favorites, my number one is different. Um, Which you could, I could, you could also argue that my number one moment is also maybe one of my favorite Darth Vader moments because a lot of his great moments also involve him interacting with Luke. And it's also in Return of the Jedi because I really like Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi. And it's the scene when he turns himself in mm. and he's having a conversation with Vader in the hangar because first Luke is like, all right, I'm going to walk into the situation and I'm first just going to try and talk with him. I'm going to see if I can reason with him at all. Yeah. And it's a really, really great moment because you really see, again, you see the maturity in Luke at this point. Like he's not a kid going, no! Like he's not like he's not hot headed like Jason Tobias's like number one moment of Luke yeah. just like running in there like I know what I'm doing saber oh, swinging just saber swinging. swinging you know like it's, he's not gonna choose that at this moment because again he's like learning more about what it means to be an actual Jedi and what Jedi Jedi are diplomats Jedi are people that are trying to reason with people before they result to violence. And so Luke's choice of, I'm just going to go talk to him and I'm going to see him and I'm going to throw all the compassion and matter-of-factness that I can at him to see if I can convince my father to come back to be Anakin Skywalker and not Darth Vader. And that moment is so beautifully played out, even though one of them is in, like, you can't see their face the entire time, but you hear James Earl Jones's voice and conflict and the way they stage that moment to show that, like, Luke thinks he has the upper hand, and then you see that disappointment in, again, a testament to Mark Hamill's acting here, you see that disappointment in his face at the end of the scene where he's like, 
um, then my father is truly dead. And you see that he like, he's also disappointed, but he knows that's going to hurt. He hopes that that's just going to hurt Darth Vader by him just saying that. All right, fine. Then my father is truly dead. Let's just do this. You ready? (laughs) I'm ready. You ready? Let's go. Put me in that spaceship. Let's go talk to your master and I'll have a talk with him kind of thing. It's a really great moment. Yeah. He's also got that confidence in that moment. Like, again, there's that, I mean, un, he's not even wavering in no. one direction or the other. He's just got the cuffs on. He's just sitting there, you know, he's yeah. not scared. He's, you know, teeth aren't chattering. Knees aren't knocking together. He is, he knows that he's in front of one of the most fearsome, if not the second most fearsome person in the galaxy, if you will. And uh-huh. he just, he's trying to reason with him, but there's this confidence. There's this confidence that he's going in with. And it's, it really is. Um, uh, and the testament, like you said, I think, you know, Mark Hamill did a, an amazing job. Yeah. And what's, what's always funny is like uh, Craig Miller, we had an episode with him called uh, My Life in the Death Star Trenches. And he said that when he was working for Lucasfilm in the late 70s doing um, publicity, he had an opportunity to see some folks, you know, Harrison, Carrie, and Mark. And he said that Harrison would always kind of joke around a little bit. You know, he'd, he'd take things and move them around. And, uh, but, Mark was always very serious. He was very serious about the craft. He was very serious about the acting. And I mean, you can see it in the performances. He's very dialed in where, but I think that's a testament to like why Harrison and Mark really do match well on screen because you've, you've got these kind of, this kind of like playful, happy-go-lucky scoundrel in Harrison. And then you've got a little bit more of like a structured as Mark Hamill's character grows, uh, steadfast, you know, eyes on the prize performance from Mark Hamill towards yep. the end there. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. That moment is is brilliant. I mean, it's it's so masterfully directed too. Um, you know, because previously with Vader, there's this tendency to always shoot him from low, looking up, right? And that helps to grow this ominous quality to him. But then with Return of the Jedi, there's this effort to to get you, the audience, to be on Vader's side a bit more, to make him a bit more sympathetic. So suddenly you're seeing Vader and Island a lot more, and you see that mm-hmm. particularly well here. Um, and it's it's a very tense scene, and it's almost tense because the inevitability of the moment. But they that they actually don't like. It's not a fight scene. There's it's so tense, but there's not a single blaster bullet fired or whatever. And yet, it you know this is this is a major midpoint turning for 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 both characters at this moment. And there's no going back now. You know, like Vader and Luke, they're going to see this through to the very end. And it's 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 tragic. James Earl Jones does a great job as in his voice work in that moment. And I love that the last scene that you see there is on Vader and you see, ah, yes, there's conflict. That last line affected him. Yes. Isn't this the first time too in that, in that scene, isn't that the first time we hear him actually reference Luke as like my son? You know, doesn't he no. use the word, you know, uh, no, we use it at Empire. It's too late for me. But, but I think what you're pointing to is that that's the first time he references Anakin Skywalker as, as a person. And he, you know, he's yeah. that name as no more, no longer has any meaning for me. And that line is just brilliant yeah. too. I'm just like, Oh God, yeah. this guy's yeah. really fucked up. And it's, yeah. if you didn't believe it before, yeah. you're like, Oh, <laughs> he has this entire yeah. back history that he's just, blocked out of his of his life and that's oh yeah 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 he's almost had to you know tear down the ghost of what he was because you know this machine that he is now is it won't let him think of it think because so. he, yeah. he'll just wallow he'll wallow in that yeah i think you know nothing against the comics that have come out but i think one of the 
and it's unavoidable, you know, if you're a writer, you're going to go there. But I, I do, I like the idea of Vader just completely shutting out his past of Anakin Skywalker. Like that to me yeah. speaks volumes about, about both characters and who they are and how they are. You know, Vader knows he's doing terrible things to a degree, but he just can't let himself process that because he has such a utilitarian perspective on, on his actions that, you know, you do these little bits of evil, but then the greater good benefits from it. Like that's his justification. And I just loved it. And that simple line, it's just a line of dialogue and it says everything. And it's, it's amazing. It's a great thing. I think uh, we do at least have to give honorable mention to the trench run for Luke here because I think think that's like the low hanging fruit there. It's either that or we have to throw it to when he's outside of the sand crawler with the blasters and uh, the blaster marks and like the, you know, the dead Jawas, you know, when he basically just verbalizes to Obi-Wan, he says, I want to learn the ways of the force and become a Jedi like my father. I mean that those two moments, if anything, you know, are kind of, our first dip into a larger galaxy and uh, the, the journey with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. Those absolutely hundred percent. Well, I also want not to get emotional and mention another emotional scene. I really also love when he sits down with Leia and has that conversation yeah. of you're my sister and Darth Vader's our father. And she like, you have that realization of like, Oh crap. And then she like begs for him to, What's going Sorry, on, there, guys. Jason? Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh boy, like, yeah. I've got a little. I've got a little bit too much sun coming in through this window, and I realized I was like Squints McGee here. And all of a sudden, we just see nothing but Jason's stomach. Yes. <laughs> How about that? Now I'm not squinting at you the whole time. <laughs> oh, the ratings just went up, ladies. You're welcome. <laughs> Continue. This is a family show. It's not. Um, it is about a family, but it doesn't mean it's always family friendly here at the Rebel Mode Podcast. Yeah. Um, didn't we just have an entire episode about the romance of Star Wars? Yes. Which wasn't always family friendly in that episode. Um, no, yeah, I think, you know, that's also a really great moment where he sits down with her and before he even tells her, he's just like, do you remember your mother, like your actual mother? Because I have no memories of my mother. Like, it's a great vulnerable moment. Again, because Mark Hamill is doing such a great job of just being vulnerable and like prepping for what he has to do. He has to go face his father and he's just melancholy and really wanting some sort of connection to his actual mother and knowing that his sister is the only thing that he has to family right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Very great moment. I think too, it, it's, this just occurred to me as well, but that Luke and Leia after a new hope didn't have a whole lot of scenes together. And no, they did not. to have this moment of symbolically, I think, you know, turning the page for Luke, you know, he knows he's, he is moving into a different world here very soon. And, yes. and so to, to at least hearken back to the more innocent times of where it's, where it was just him and Leia, that was, it was really touching. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was also like he was trying, he wasn't sure if he had to say goodbye or not. And it was like, it's a really great moment, script-wise too, especially for Leia and then Han. Like all three of them kind of get an emotional moment out of that. Han realizes that he cares. He's a little jealous. He doesn't understand what's happening. And how dare you shut me out of <laughs> this moment? How dare you? I'm Han Solo. <laughs> you know. 
But then you also see like Leia dealing, grappling with what she's just learned and, and like, I'm fearful of the fact that like maybe he's going to die and oh crap, Darth Vader's my father, you know, which they still never really touch upon a lot. Even Carrie Fisher made jokes about that as well, about Leia didn't really get to grapple with her and her dad. Yeah, she, yeah, I feel like Leia got the short end of the stick on some stuff with like daddy issues, <laughs> like underlying things. Galactic yeah. scale daddy issues. Galactic scale daddy issues. I think there's a whole other episode we could we could have just about. That. <laughs> just, 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 we just call it daddy issues. Just daddy issues. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars daddy issues. The yeah. daddy issues in Star Wars. Let's us count the ways. Yeah. Sure that. So Peter, we gave uh, we got nine different Luke Skywalker moments here. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And you know what? I'm surprised nobody mentioned the part where he goes, no, that's impossible. It's a what very iconic moment. I think that's a great yeah. moment, too. There's, there's so many yeah. things from. We could, we could eat. I feel like that's more of a Darth Vader moment, though, which is why I didn't want to go there. That's fair. Yeah, mm, that's fair. Yeah. I do yeah. think, I mean, in the Joseph Campbell kind of tradition, though, that is the the death of an old, of an old, of, a, of your old self and the rebirth of a new. Like, you know, jokes right. aside, like, the, the, the word, you know, Lucas like has this running theme where he, he uses the word no to symbolize kind of a death of an old character and the beginning of, of his new character. And, and this is the first time where you really see that. Luke's whole mission was to take out the person who killed his father. And now in this moment, it's like, oh, fuck, it's, yeah, this, this is my father. Yeah. They're one in the same person. That's, that is a very yeah. powerful moment. And you see it continue to be repeated thematically, symbolically, metaphorically in every other Star Wars film up until the sequel trilogy, at least with, with George Lucas's run, that, that sort of Campbell-esque moment is very important. So I completely agree with you. Joseph Campbell. The moment's brilliant, you know? Yeah, I just, I'm surprised nobody, nobody mentioned that moment. I was like, I'm purposely not going to choose this moment because somebody's going to say this moment and then none of us did. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, again, with the death, uh, with the Death Star trench run, with you know him wanting to go with Obi Wan on this journey to learn the ways of the Force, I feel like these are those are our kind of like big targets. You know, like hey, that's that's a moment that I think probably hits everybody. But there are so many right. little nuances. There's so many subtle nuances in the right. journey of the character that you really do get um, a feeling of like, wow, it's it's interesting how it impacts everybody. And I just want to clarify something too. I thought when Victoria, when you were talking about when Luke and Yoda were talking, I didn't realize you were talking about in The Last Jedi. I was talking about- I said The Last Jedi. I must have zoned out. I must have zoned out, <laughs> have zoned out wow. during, during our podcast, which there is only two of us aside from myself. <laughs> and I thought we were talking about in Jedi when he goes back to Yoda prior to Yoda passing away. So yeah. that was my- uh, that was my contribution to something that was incorrect. You're completely. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Completely different moments. This is sorry. The one, the one in Return of the Jedi. He's like Yoda's dying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's still it's it's a heartbreaker though, man. It's a heart wrencher. Sure, it is. Puppet death. Like, I mean, puppet puppet death. It's, it's a heart wrencher. Best, best. I mean, best. have you? Have you yeah, seen Dark thought. Crystal? There's a lot of puppets dying in Dark Crystal, especially it, this new one. Yeah. It's pretty. It's like the uh, Game of Thrones for puppets. I think you told me that, Victoria. Yes. Yeah. There's so many Skeksis are dying. Yeah. So many. All right. So let's not make this Skeksis. into the Dark Crystal podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. I don't. I don't want to. I hated it. I mean, I liked it, but I also hated it at the same time. I have not. But anyways. 
I think we should definitely uh, see what the, the people out there in the Twitterverse and the Facebook world and the Instagram think of this too. If you've got some ideas, if you've got some Luke Skywalker moments, let us know. If you think we're just full of shit, let us know. Let us know. Maybe our moments don't ring true with you, but if anything, let us know. Give us a chat. We're friendly-ish. Ish, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thank you, Peter, for the ti- for the topic of the day. Thank you for yes, having me. This was, this was a lot of fun, so thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Until next time, this is The Rebel and the Rogue. We out. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like The 430 Movie, every Friday in which a group of writers and producers curate fantasy-themed weeks of classic movies, and Disco Nights, the ultimate Star Trek Discovery podcast available Sundays, and Glorious Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, and Best Movies Never Made, Monday nights featuring filmmakers talking about their favorite unmade projects. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us at TK on Twitter or TK on Instagram. Also, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including producers Natalie Michelli and Synthony Hodge, and executive producers Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman. So until next Thursday, may the Force be with you. And also with you. Always. Or at least for the next week. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.